The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino! High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Cybernetics! All right, this is this is me, Christopher Wong, realizing that I have done like 16 consecutive actual real introductions and that if I keep doing them, everyone's going to expect that I do a real introduction every time instead of like randomly yelling something. So yeah, wel- welcome to It Could Happen Here. I am trying to make my job function as it should and not professionalize it. Um, and th- this, is, this is a podcast about things that are bad. But it's also occasionally a podcast about things that are good and how, in fact, there can be a society beyond this one. And to talk about some of the shades of what that could look like, I have with me the co-host of the General Intellect Unit, Kyle and June, which is a it's a podcast on the Emancipation Network that is, I, I'm told this is the, the tagline, the podcast of the cybernetic Marxists. I am, I am very excited. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's really exciting to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um... Yeah, I guess, okay, we should start at the the very, very beginning, because I don't think most people know any of this. Uh, What is cybernetics? Right. 
Um, so cybernetics uh, is, I guess, a term that comes from, uh, what is it, the kybernetes, right? Uh, steering, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of steering a boat. Um, so using your oar to navigate the waters. Um, and uh, so essentially it is a science of control. And that sounds really scary, but what it means is that it's that kind of connection between the steers person, the oar, the boat, their body, and the water around them, and getting all of those things in sync in such a way that the steers person is going where they want to go, the ship or the boat doesn't capsize and uh, they don't lose the oar. Um, and so that's what control means. It's a kind of balancing a kind of uh, connection between the organism and the environment in such a way that it can survive and thrive. Yeah. And that's what cybernetics is focused on. Yeah. The thing I love about the, um, the steersman uh, metaphor is that like, it's all about, um, it's control in the sense of regulation, but all, also, like, very importantly in cybernetics, it's almost always self-regulation. Because, um, mm-hmm. like, the one of the kind of core principles... Again, like, the because the term usually calls to mind this, like, kind of Terminator, like, um, like cyber-gothic kind of domination, that's actually not what the, the, the field is about at all. It's because um, one of the core insights of cybernetics is actually that any given system... Um, the only thing that can really control it is itself because of the sheer complexity of, of systems. So that like, um, like the kind of like top down external domination of an organism that we all fear is kind of like, actually, if you look at the cyber- cybernetics literature, that's like not actually really possible because the, 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 out, the external controller would never have enough complexity to match what the organism is capable of. Um, and you know, organisms are self-regulating systems the, the, the steersman with his boat is a self-regulating system that like regulates its upright position in the water and regulates its course that's directed towards its goal. Um, so it, it's, that's why it's so important. I think that's why we think it's so important for um, the left and like people who are concerned with these like, you know, visions of and uh, a po- politics of autonomy and liberation. They really need to look at this stuff because it turns out there kind of is a science of like autonomous self-guiding um, organic systems, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no Terminator uh, here. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yeah. I mean, you know, when you see uh, scary videos of militarized robots and they are learning to, you know, jump and fire weapons and all that kind of stuff. There certainly is cybernetics involved there, but that is a kind of domain application of cybernetics rather than defining what cybernetics mm-hmm. is. It's really kind of holistic systems thinking in general is what cybernetics mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that, that's that's probably worth emphasizing, right? That like um, um, cybernetics in some ways is kind of like out of fashion these days. Like it, it yeah. kind of evolved into systems thinking and like, Mm-hmm. Um, I guess a lot of its lessons got kind of absorbed in general, but we find there's great value in going back to the, the kind of originators and like focusing on that field. Um, it's like we, 
on the show, we, we got into the cybernetics angle by reading uh, Andrew Pickering in his book, yep. The Cybernetic Brain, in which um, he kind of acknowledged that, like, there's, he kind of split it into two, like, there's American cybernetics, like, which had that kind of, like, um, dour kind of military domination sort of flavor to it, that, like, it's kind of an earned reputation there. But Pickering was more concerned with, like, British cybernetics, um, so, like, a lot of British thinkers, that, and it had a very different flavor there, where it was more open-ended, it was kind of had more of a focus on kind of liberation and, like, um, politics and stuff. In, in fact, some of those, like, Grey Walter was, um, like, explicitly an anarchist, like, wrote in anarchist, um, like, journals and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. And for him, like, those two things went hand in glove, right? Like, that, like, um, liberatory politics as, like, um, a politics of, like, human flourishing, like, as human human beings as autonomous units flourishing in their own contexts, and of, like, social systems that would enable that kind of flourishing. To him, that was just hand-in-glove with cybernetics. There was no real distinction there. It was just like, yeah, these these two things fit each other perfectly. Um, which you lose later with, like, general systems theory sort of stuff, you know? Um, it's like, there's, yep. there's plenty, I don't know, who am I thinking of here? Like, the, um, uh, like the Talib, that guy, with the, like, black swan sort of stuff? Like, he's big yeah. into systems stuff, but, like, isn't so much... Um, isn't so much into the liberatory politics, I guess, you know, um, a lot of that angle is kind of lost. Yeah. And I think this is also, this is, you know, this is sort of a product of, I guess the, the broader ideological course that's going on while such cybernetics comes in and out of fashion. And I, I think, mm-hmm. I think we should go back a bit to the beginning to sort of situate this because I know like when, when I, like before I like ever did any reading on cybernetics, like my immediate assumption was that it was, it was, you know, this, this is a thing that was entirely just, based off of computers, right? That this is uh, like, this is, and that's not really true from my understanding of it. So can we, can we go back and sort of like talk about where this came from a bit and how it sort of moves over this, this over sort of the 60s, 70s. And yeah, go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you can kind of trace it back in its sort of European origins to um, you could probably say uh, Hegel, uh, you know his his move towards like um, uh, understanding being not just a substance but a subject. I think is a move towards a kind of cybernetic understanding where you understand the whole system as a holistic entity as opposed to just an individual interacting with an external environment. Um, and uh, you can also see this come up in say uh, uh, there was a uh, ecologist uh in the German ecologist in the early uh, 20th century, I believe who was trying to understand, you know, the organism in its environment uh, the sort of precursors to ecology can be seen as precursors to cybernetics. Um, and then when you get to the kind of development of cybernetics as a science or as a discipline um, in the mid 20th century, it's not exactly about computing. It's um, It's more about... Uh, balancing a machine with its environment. So um, the sort of prototypical um, 
machine of this kind was the servo mechanism, which was used uh, to help uh, guide a like an anti-aircraft gun in shooting down enemy aircraft. So making sure it mm-hmm. tracks properly with the target and doesn't lose the target and is assisting the operator in operating the gun instead of just being a uh, inanimate object that has uh, trouble uh, tracking what it, a very fast moving target. I mean, you can even think back to like the, you know, in world war one, when they discovered, Hey, we could actually like synchronize the timing of the propeller and the timing of our gun on the front of this plane so that our guns aren't destroying our propellers and shoot and we're, we're shooting our own planes down with our guns when we're dogfighting, right? Yeah. <laughs> like it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a systems understanding, right? So that's um, that's that's Norbert Wiener, right, working on the um, automated gun turret stuff, and that's he's yes. he coins the term cybernetics to like um, give a name to the thing he was starting to discover, and it's like he was kind of pulling together a bunch of threads there, and like one of those kind of important insights is that like um, like they they couldn't get an improvement in like targeting and accuracy without like basically making the gun turret an agent of its own that like and the like the turret and the gunner would be cooperative agents that mm-hmm. in combination would um achieve their goal but like there was there was there's something strange and spooky about that right like that um this sort of feedback mechanism inside the turret gives it a sort of weird agency that um combines with the agency of the gunner to like guide the whole system towards a goal um Yes. And what it ends up becoming then is a kind of boundary space where the distinction between human and machine uh, starts to become ambiguous because Mm -hmm. they both start to possess. They're both understood to have a kind of agency. They're both understood to have kinds of like functions and then you kind of get this sort of like a human machine interface idea. And you can start to bring in all of these different ideas from like anthropology, from physiology, from uh, math, from ecology. Mm -hmm. uh, And they all start to interact in this domain of cybernetics. And like the core, the core idea that kind of ties everything together is that of feedback um, so yes. like Wiener realizes that what he needs to do achieve this goal is is a feedback mechanism um, that would is error correcting feedback right like if the if the gun is slightly too far to the left it corrects itself rightwards and so on um, but that as you said that that connects across all sorts of things right like you you start to realize that's present everywhere in ecology in neurology in um, like that learning is is based on feedback, you know? So um, it's really funny to, re- to read Norbert Wiener, like, in the 50s, uh, basically describing what would become machine learning. And he's just, like, he just off the cuff is like, yeah, um, like, if you could, if a machine could, like, um, or if, if any system could just, like, um, analyze its own performance and then feedback onto itself, it would, it would learn any old pattern you wanted it to. And he's like, yeah, it turns out he was completely correct. And that's, that's where it kind of, like, gets into, like, you get later thinkers like Ross Ashby, who was, um, and, like, uh, other folks, like, who were in, or, in and around psychiatry, who were, like, really interested in how the brain worked. And that's that's the other thing that feeds into, like, cybernetics, mm-hmm. is, like, um, 
it's it's why Pickering called his book the cybernetic brain because like the brain and like nervous systems show up so much in that uh, field, right? That like um, the brain being a kind of learning and adapt an adapt adaptation machine um, attached to the body or whatever, and like um, yeah, I don't know. There's there's something fascinating there, and like um, the I mean, there's something kind of possibly troubling in kind of melting down the distinctions between living organisms and machines or whatever, but, like, there's also something very compelling in just, like, recognizing the same patterns happening at all these different levels, right? That, like, um, yes. that, like you, you get similar behaviors and similar kind of outcomes, and then, you know, it, it turns out, like, you can kind of do a science on these things and um, and uh, come up with even better explanatory frameworks based on your observations yeah. across many fields. Yes, and so it is, in a sense, about computers but the computers are really just understood to act like a kind of brain. And Mm -hmm. that's connected to a nervous system, which is connected to, uh, you know, like actuators of some kind, some kinds of like machines that actually do things in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's not about like, say, computer science specifically it's more about like well computers are a useful way to do cybernetic design Mm -hmm. because they can act as a control system and they're flexible it's not that this is about computers really yeah yeah absolutely and like that you brought you brought up something very important there that like um in all cases of like cybernetics, like the the systems that we're considering are not like isolated, like brain in a box kind of things. They're all mm-hmm. things that are directly engaged with a world. Um, like so, it's 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 not that kind of like um, monadic kind of rationalism of like computation just happening in a box somewhere and like per- perfect intelligence or any of that kind of stuff. These are always like the cyberneticians are always working with systems that were engaged in real time emergent situations. Um, and because of that, they rapidly kind of, like, acknowledge that for so many of these important, like, systems, the only way to figure out what it's going to do is to let it do it. Um, because you, you can't, like, pre-compute all the possible outcomes, you know, of these, like, very sticky and complex real-world situations. The, um, the best way to figure out what it's going to do is to let it do it and watch. Yes. And I think I think that's an interesting sort of, like... If, if you look at where a lot of the sort of like techno fetishist like social attempts to sort of like manipulate society technology have gone, it's like, yeah, you get like like blockchain smart contracts. And it's like the blockchain smart contract is like, okay, we are going to think of literally everything that could possibly happen and attempt to put it in like a very small amount of code. And if mm-hmm. anything, like literally anything at all happens that I. Uh, you know, that we didn't expect, uh, we're now, everyone is now screwed because we have just made this thing immutable and put it in such a way that we can't change it. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, that's a, I think this is a, a useful sort of, I mean, corrective just, in, just in, in, in the way that we've, we've, we've now like, like we've gone backwards. Like we've, we've gotten into this place where you, instead of like, we need to let these systems play out. We need to let them control themselves. We've gotten to like, we think that we can actually just sort of like, you know, turn like, turn the entire system into code that we can predict mm-hmm. ahead of time and have you know the basis of some sort of social system off of yeah i mean it's i think it's something that like the cyberneticians and like i maybe pickering would describe as like a, a kind of perversity of modern uh thought like a modern mindset like the, the kind of like rational 
like um uh kind of mindset right like um and like to the cyberneticians that that whole thing with like the blockchain stuff would be just truly laughable because yeah. <laughs> it's immediate it's immediately obvious to them that the the problem there is like okay proposing oh we're going to use a blockchain to regulate some sort of social process or whatever smart contracts whatever and it's like that thing has nowhere near the fidelity required to regulate social processes because social yeah. processes are unimaginably complex and have yeah. just incredible variety there's um there's a there's a, like a law that's at the heart of cybernetics called ashby's law of requisite variety and in short it basically states that given a system um the only thing that's really capable of regulating is regulating it is itself because a regulator needs as much variety as the thing it's regulating if it's going to like actually su- succeed at it yeah um and so that's that's the kind of thing that nudges everyone towards like like when you get to someone like Stafford Beer his his whole model of like uh, organization pushes all a lot of the intelligence downwards to the to the bottom layers because they're it's basically the people on the ground on the shop floor are the people who are best informed to actually deal with their own situation and that's that sounds like a banal observation but it like it for beer that was actually quite a step forward to like just admit that like trying to like trying to like in his context it was like often the organization of a firm like a company like trying to manage a company from the boardroom is just fucking ludicrous like yeah <laughs> no nobody there has enough information to act yep. on they're all dumbasses anyway so for beer it was just a like this is where it starts to get interesting and it connects to the politics right that like for one of these scientists just observing reality and like you know using you know pretty pretty good sort of intuitions and like scientific frameworks just looking at it and going like oh it is obviously the case that the best way for society to organize is bottom up self organization um and that that like it's not just a moral point it's actually a technical point as well that like um these these top down bureaucratic kind of micro tyrannies are not only morally objectionable they're also technically inferior to the kind of like cyber communism we want to inst- institute yeah i mean i have <laughs> like one of one of my one of one of my favorite stories about so I, I worked as a maintenance worker for a while and one day my boss was like there was some problem with the sink and my boss was like nah we don't need the plumbers i can do this and so he goes in there and it's it's one it's like it's it's like a sink in like a building right so it's it has just one of those things where there's like a pipe that connects the, the top of the sink to like the wall and he goes, okay, here, look at this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this valve, and this is gonna turn the water off. And what he instead does is he take, he 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 takes the pipe off of the wall, and just like a torrent of water is just now shooting out of this pipe because he has removed the thing. Yeah, he's removed the pipe from the wall. It's oh, like, incredible. This is a, you know, like, this is this is why I think like, yeah, go, go this 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 you know this this is like a particularly funny example of how these sort of top-down management systems. And this guy, like, like used to be a maintenance guy, right? But he just, like, wasn't mm. a plumber. And so, okay. you know, and he, he accepts into it, and he's like, oh, no, 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 hold on. I know I know how this system works. It's going to be fine. And it just, there is a geyser. The, the geyser of water has so much force. It, it's like it's like pushing our, our tool cart across the room. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it's, it's just gushing. It's like a fire hydrant. It's coming out of this wall. <laughs> The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a burger? 
a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular, all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Now, I wanted to... I guess beers is an interesting way to go to go into the sort of the politics of what this actually looks like. Do you want to talk about? I, I know I I briefly talked about this in an episode of neoliberalism a while back, mm. but do you want to go into sort of more detail into what beers was up to and the eventually failed attempt because of military coup to try to implement like a cybernetic system for organizing essentially an economy. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so uh, Stafford Beer uh, was a um, management consultant um, he, and a cybernetician. Uh, he got his start sort of doing um, operations research, um, uh, which is kind of a precursor to cybernetics um, that is kind of like interested in logistics and organizing systems um in the british military um in world war ii uh, and then he came out of that and became a corporate uh consultant for uh, operations research and management um and so in working in the corporate world um he saw all of the things that were really screwed up with the status quo um, 
way of doing business and of organizing things, you know, the way that uh, autocratic power of management creates all kinds of ridiculous problems, the way that managing organizations according to org charts, which are there to assign blame more than anything else, creates all kinds of perversities, the way that uh, organizations fail to adapt to their environments because they get into these kinds of strange neuroses. Um, And, you know, just sort of going through all of that and more often than not being unable to intervene in an effective way uh, to um, address these problems and just sort of like seeing how these little instances of perverse corporate culture are indicative of the broader problems of our society as a whole and of capitalism. Right. Um, And so, you know, he had a basis from his time in India during the second world war in uh, kind of like Tantra uh, kind of like, you know, Eastern, Uh, or specifically Indian um, spirituality, yoga, all this kind of stuff. So he kind of had a counter-cultural side to his personality, um, and he was always doing tinkering, strange experiments with cybernetics. He wasn't just the straight-laced corporate guy, uh, but it was a combination of that sort of counter-cultural background with his growing frustration with corporate systems that led him to start to develop ideas about how things could be different. And this kind of meshed up with the thoughts that were happening in Chile uh, during the Chilean revolution in the early 70s. Um, So they reached out to him uh, to come and help out with organizing their economy as they were undergoing this revolutionary process uh, of trying to sort of throw off the shackles of imperialist dependency and create a society that was uh, focused on the flourishing of workers uh, and of society as a whole, as opposed to one that was based on sort of, you know, uh, resource extraction where everything flows to the top. Yeah, yeah it's, um, do you want to ex- explain some more about how that went? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so um, yeah, it it um it went well and then it went badly, I guess. Um, but from 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 the reading we've done and from our research, it seems like if um basically if the if the U.S. hadn't sent in the fascists to to kill them all, um, this this would have worked. Like it was working, and it was and yes. the project was actually going pretty well. Yeah, can, um, can we explain briefly what? Like I think it becomes it's called Project Cybersim, but what what exactly yes. like what was it doing? Um, so um so like Beer's big kind of innovation is uh, what we call the viable system model um, or VSM, and it's a model that's um it's a model for these like uh, autonomous social systems that is kind of taking it's not I wouldn't say it's entirely based on like the structure of the human body, but it's like taking a lot of lessons from biology and neurology and neuroscience and um and cybernetics and just kind of meshing them all together. Um, so basically like, it's like if your body is basically a bunch of autonomous organs that all take care of their own business, plus a nervous system that synchronizes them 
and unifies them into a workable whole, then you can kind of see the whole system as having this kind of mixture of vertical and horizontal aspects. Like, on the one hand, it has this horizontal aspect where the autonomous, like, system one units are, are well, autonomous, more or less. Like, the heart takes, heart takes care of its own thing, the lungs take care of their own thing. But then the nervous system meshes them together in layers so that it can say, oh, hold on, too much oxygen, uh, dial it down a bit. And then the organs respond dynamically to those, those signals, right? So it's kind of like up-down feedback loops, right? Where the, the lower levels of the system are the smart bits that are doing all the important work, but there's this supporting infrastructure of the nervous system and the brain that um, unifies the whole thing and keeps it all on the rails. Um, so, and importantly, it's a kind of recursive model. So like a human being is an autonomous unit, and then that it's that unit is composed of more autonomous units like the organs and the muscles, and then each of those is composed of cells, which are autonomous units, and then, you know, so on. But like that ladder goes upwards as well, so that like a team is com- is an autonomous unit composed of human beings. A firm or like a department is a autonomous unit composed of teams. A firm is composed of departments. Uh, like a sector is composed of firms, and it's the same kind of structure in at each layer. Um, so the the kind of upside there is that like um, you don't like you kind of have a un- fairly unifying like set of principles and like a science for doing this kind of like co- coordination of autonomous units at every level, at every every layer of society. So, like, in principle, the sort of, like, the cybernetic principles that get applied to uh, cohering members of a team are the same sort of principles that get applied to, like, sectors in an economy, um, with the same kind of, you know, bottom-up kind of feedback going on as well. Um, so, Stafford was in, invited to Chile um, to by the Allende government in... So that, that was, like, 1970, right? Um, that 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 election happened. So he, he arrived in late 1970, I think. Um, I mean, yeah, who knows? I'm not 100% that. certain on the timeline, but we're looking at those those first few years of the 70s as as the yeah. time when this is happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended his elected in, in 1970. Yeah, so it's yeah, towards the end of that year that he's yeah. he's invited, and um, he's basically kind of given the task of like, hey, do all this stuff, but with this entire economy. And he's like, yeah, sure. Cool. Um, so it puts together uh, Project Cybersyn, um, and there's a kind of long story there of like uh, them building out this kind of infrastructure, and like it's it's all highly experimental um, and highly tentative. Like they, one of the big problems they run into is that like they don't have very much in the way of like hardware, um, especially because they're under embargo. So they had like um, a pretty what what at the time was a pretty crafty old mainframe <laughs> that they they ran the ran the uh, the software on. Um, but like step step one was like um, installing this like huge communications network amongst all the factories and um, like setting up like the workers committees and stuff would feed information into it and it would kind of again this like feedback thing where you kind of take signals from the economy uh, integrate them and then go oh oh you're producing too much steel route some of your product over to this this factory and it'll be better use there and then you know you guys over there turn up this dial you turn down this dial so and then. If that plan doesn't quite work out, then you've got another layer of feedback tomorrow to say, okay, that plan didn't quite work. Here's an adjusted plan. So it's it it, it it's this like both bottom up and top down sort of loop of feedback. That's like I think the the, the phrase Pickering uses is reciprocal adaptation, where yeah. at, 
uh, the economy and its firms and its workers are all kind of adapting to each other in real time in a kind of in a in a in a full system. Um, uh, yes, yeah, am I so, missing anything? No, that, that I mean that's that's essentially what CyberSyn was. It was a system designed to largely, I think, at first supplement uh the market uh although uh mm-hmm. beer later realizes that like actually if you have a good system of this kind you probably don't need a market mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah. uh but essentially it was like okay our economy has been one that has been built around dependence to uh you know, especially the United States and it's been organized in that way. And we need to reorganize the economy both to promote the well-being of the workers, the autonomy of the workers, uh, realize the ideals of socialism in that way. And also to create a system that is less dependent on, uh, those existing structures of imperialism. And so having this reciprocal adaptation, um, having, systems in place to connect things that were previously disconnected uh, would allow you to move in that way of increasing autonomy and increasing freedom. Um, and that was generally the idea of CyberSyn. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and there mm-hmm. was something very interesting, like when we were reading um, the reissue of uh, his book, Brain of the Firm, where he has a section at the end um, that, that documents this whole experience in Chile, um, there's a really interesting part where towards the end of it, he's like, and this is like getting up towards the coup where he's like, um, he and the other cybersen operatives, like, and the, the people are putting this together, realize that like the workers and like people in towns are, are like just on their own, just like using this stuff and these kind of principles to just like abolish the value form basically. Like, yeah, but notably without the involvement from above, like as in, Beer and company stumble upon this just happening where they're like, oh my God, they're just, they're just dismantling the market. And it's like, it's all just kind of happening. And that's, there was something really wonderful to that. That like, it, it, it indicated like there was, there really was something to it that like you could like, as in, as in people, working people could use these tools and this like new way of organizing themselves to just like liquidate market relations and, and wage relations like spon- spontaneously. Yeah, but it's, and, it's a spontaneity that's that's not really it 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 does it it's it feels very different from the kind of spontaneity you often get in you know, like the way leftists or like anarchists talk about it often. Like the kind of spontaneity is like a magical sort of thing that just like where freedom just arrives from out of nowhere. But this this was like installing infrastructure to enable freedom and then it actually kind of happening until the fascists showed up. Yeah. Yeah. What what I think is really interesting about it is that, so you know, you you have you have like you have this sort of central control center from which a lot of this stuff is being run. But you know, yeah, it's 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 a weird system because it's trying to link together like a lot of different kinds of firms. Like you have some say Mm -hmm. you have private firms, but you have a lot of you have a lot of state run firms. You also have firms that throughout this whole process, people like workers just taking over factories. They're setting up these sort of like call them industrial cordons i think if i'm remembering mm-hmm. my spanish mm-hmm. right it's like yeah they they you know they, they start setting up their own institutions and it's it's this becomes this way of sort of like networking these groups together and the thing that's the other thing i think is interesting is you know so you have you have them on the one hand 
like just getting rid of markets and going like, okay, wait, we can just coordinate production through this and like not mm-hmm. have markets. And then the second thing they do is it's the, the freedom immediately becomes political in, in the sense that like, yeah, like one of, one of the things they do, they, they're that that's just going on in this period is that, and there's Chile has a very, very right wing, like, it's basically like the it's like even today it's like it's like really like one of the only like union like huge unions left in Chile is is truckers unions and those guys are extremely right wing they're in this period they're being backed by the CIA they're being trained by AFL CIO as I say like every episode <laughs> but <laughs> like yeah and and they're you know they're intentionally doing strikes to try to overthrow the government by blocking production and you know like the workers are like well okay hold on we can just use this cybernetic system to figure out where these blocks are, figure out where materials need to move through. And we can just, you know, we can just stop the kind of revolution. We can just sort of like, we can, we can just, we can just fight our way through it. And, and it's interesting. It's like, this happens. And so then that, that like the the original plan of using sort of, of using these truckers is like this sort of right wing, like the the first attempt fails. And once that fails, it's like, they have to go to the military. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the coup eventually works. It's it's hard to it's hard to resist a coup outright, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the thing with the, the the trucker strike is that, like, yeah, it's you can very well imagine like the CIA and stuff going into it, thinking, "Oh, this is what'll do it, right? This will sew it up," but not realizing that the workers actually had in their hands a like vastly more sophisticated system for outmaneuvering them. Yeah, and that system worked like a charm, like like clockwork, just like and even like you you read the accounts from this thing, like uh, both in. Eden Medina's cybernetic revolutionaries and in Beer's own account. And there's like the sense that it was actually kind of spooky and weird. That like even the people involved didn't quite expect it to work out that way. And that like they were surprised at how effective it is. But that it gets back to the core of cybernetics that like feedback is weirdly effective at getting things done. You know, these like highly tuned feedback systems, they give you a lot of power to outmaneuver the scumbags, you know? Yeah, and and I think in some sense, like this is like people talk a lot about Chile as sort of like the sort of foreclosed future of like an electoral democratic socialism, but like I don't think that was the potential of the moment. The potential of the moment was this, mm-hmm. and it's interesting to me that well, because Beers kind of traces out a, a political history that never quite happened, which is so okay. One of the one of the sort of big political trends over, over the course of twentieth century is you have all these people who were sort of like. They, they they basically got turned into planning bureaucrats during, during World War II because every government basically turns into a giant planning engine. And yep. then, you know, some of them go into, some of them, you know, essentially stay on in the government doing planning stuff. Beers, like, goes into the corporate world. And the corporations are also, you know, they start doing, they also start doing this planning stuff. And, you know, it, but Beers is interesting because he, he pivots, like, he, he pivots in a direction that the world doesn't which is he pivots towards mm-hmm. okay the solution to sort of you know the, the 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 kind of like decay of these like authoritarian planning systems whether whether they be like the, the corporate versions of it or the sort of like state administered uh like total economic planning from the top down versions is oh well okay we need to have planning from the bottom up mm-hmm. and it's distributed planning yeah. yeah yeah and he he, like everyone involved with Cybersyn gets murdered. Uh, the only reason Beer survives because he wasn't in the country, and it's yeah. it's this really interesting like, like it's this kind yeah, of not, what if story. Not everybody got murdered, but some of them did, and mm-hmm. some of them were in exile. Uh, some of them were imprisoned. Yeah, it was it was it was you know, 
it was not a good time. Beer got out early and he knew yeah. things that were getting, were getting bad and everybody around him knew things were getting bad. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he was on a, he was on like a kind of, I guess like a almost dip- diplomatic mission to like try and get some of the blockade stuff. Like he was trying to, I think he was trying to flog like a container ship full of um, iron or something, you know, he was, <laughs> he was shopping, shopping it around to try and try and help out. But like, trying to sell in London Chilean the wine to the world. That's uh, what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, um, oh, hold on, I had a thought there. Um, oh, and then, like, after afterwards, um, like, Beer spent a fair bit of his time, like, trying to get his, his comrades out of, out of Chile and get them out of prison. Yeah. Um, and got, got them resettled in, um, in the UK and so on. In, yeah, yeah America as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that, um, this is... Like, that's a very interesting point about the, the, you know, the sort of the real value of this moment being that movement towards autonomy, that, that reorganization of society, not, uh, towards, uh, neoliberal, uh, engineering of markets and, uh, sort of, uh, reinforcement of private dictatorships, um, but towards a kind of like holistic control system that is still uh, informed by, you know, the principles of autonomy and, uh, and, and, and science. Um, It's, it's definitely like an answer to the crisis of the seventies, which was not taken up. And in that sense, it is a foreclosed future but of course, one that we can take lessons from now. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think there's something else that's very interesting to me about this because, you know, if if you look at how, like, if, if you look at how the socialist bloc sort of responds to to the crisis of the '70s and you know their sort of decay in the '80s, like they they have this option available to them, right? They have they have they have mm-hmm. maybe in a lot of ways they have a lot they have a lot better technology than what the Chileans are using. They have more resources, and Every single one of them goes no, and instead yeah. just sort of like transitions, you know, in, in, instead of, I, I, I think it has to do with, there, there, there's a line, this, this, is, this is like slightly before this, there, there's a line in um, a debate Mao and Joe and Lai are having in, I think it's 1967, this is like the peak of uh, the sort of worker-led part of the Cultural Revolution, like the workers have taken Shanghai, and Mao and Zhou Enlai are talking and they're, they're trying to figure out like, what are they going to do? You know, the, they, they, they've set off this force. It's now become uncontrollable. And there's, there's this line where they're talking about, okay, well, if, if we give, if they give them a, if we give them a commune, uh, they have to have free elections. And Zhou Enlai is like, well, that would be anarchism. And they, and they're just like, oh God, we can't do that. And they, they never do in the end, you know, the, the end result of this whole sort of, that whole sort of process is that China, like, in, instead of doing, instead of sort of like devolving any level of control down to like any of the workers who are doing things, they're like, okay, well, we'll just, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do capitalism instead. We'll, we'll, you, we'll, you know, we'll create markets. We'll sort of like ma- maintain our firm structure, but you know. Integrate the party cadres into it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it's it's yeah. this it's it's a very interesting thing to me too because like there there have been other like you know like there like lots of socialist parties of sort of various like degrees of radicalness have come to power like 
since 1973. And to my knowledge, not a single one of them has ever picked any of this stuff back up. Like even, even, you know, like, like the most radical sort of like, like, you know, like, er, like, er, like early Chavez never like touches this. Like even like, I don't, like, I, I don't, I don't think, like, I don't think the EZLN's ever done it. Like, I mean, they, they have technological issues there, but like, it's, 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 it's interesting to me that like, basically no one who's ever taken power since has ever attempted it again. Mm-hmm. Which again is strange because this is, you know, one, one of, one of the sort of like this, you, you would think this is like, this is at least a potential solution to sort of this, 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 this problem of the stagnation and sort of collapse of, of the old sort of the old systems of planning economies, but no one takes it up. And I'm interested to think what you two think about that, like why this doesn't happen. Yeah, there's a. I think there's an interesting dimension of Beer's work in Chile that kind of I think um, might provide some in answers to that, uh, which is that you know he he was in charge of setting up CyberSyn, and CyberSyn was kind of a system for optimizing the economy. But he had other concerns and other briefs that he was working on at at the same time. And what he came to realize was that there was a layer of uh, management and experts in the organization of the economy that were happy enough to sort of work on a cyber sin that was designed to improve production numbers, but they had real resistance to the idea of worker autonomy because of the, um, because of, of, of wanting to maintain their, their job privileges and because of the, the prejudices of their, uh, their habitus, I guess you could say, the, the, what they learned when they were educated as engineers or managers or whatever. And, and you know, where the people who know things, the workers don't know things, they shouldn't be in charge, that kind of thing. And so he starts to, he starts to realize that in order to really make CyberSyn effective as an engine for autonomy, what needs to happen is that... Um, sort of what you were describing with the Shanghai Commune, uh, the the workers need to learn these cybernetic principles themselves and implement them uh, through autonomous action. Um, and so he starts to try to kind of like write up like write pamphlets that can be distributed to the workers so that the information, that he has as theory is not being filtered through a bureaucracy, uh, but is instead like, you know, involved in an educational uh, process of self-mobilization among the workers. Um, And so, you know, this really uh, doesn't mean that expert knowledge is irrelevant, but it does mean that it, it, it does imply threatening the social privileges of management and expert knowledge. Uh, Because in Beer's conception of management, 
management is something that is done by anyone who has the power to in affect an organization or change an organization. So if the workers are able to change their organizations, they are also managers. Um, that's not something yeah. exclusive to experts. Um, like for, for, for beer, management is a function. It's not a person, right? Like yes. In, in, in beer's ideal world, like management would just be these like decision nodes that emerge among, among workers, right? And like in the, in the management, a manager would never be a person. A manager would be like a kind of structural information processing, like, um, thing that happens among people. Um, yeah. Like, and, yeah. and so like when you see in, for example, the USSR, the option of creating a planning network, a computerized, <laughs> uh, telecommunications planning network throughout the whole, uh, union, um, it's basically shot down for two reasons. One, it would be very, very expensive for them to develop. It would be uh, on the order of, of doing, you know, their nuclear weapons development, uh, perhaps more expensive than that. Uh, and two, it is simply at odds with the system of, like, planning... The, the, the command economy that had that had grown up in the wake of the revolution, right? It, 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 it's simply at odds with the power of all of the factory managers, the planners, all that kind of stuff. It just kind of makes it, it, it threatens their identity and it threatens their position of power. And so I think that when you look at the socialist countries and why they didn't adopt the system, I think it's because they it would require the people in power to really rethink their entire role and identity as members of society. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's then like, there's it, there's a kind of dr there's a dreadful irony really in that like it's it's Stafford Beer, somebody who comes out of like bourgeois like management stuff, um, and is is deep in the pocket for that. He's the one who actually sincerely pursues the most radical project in like socialist history that we've ever seen vastly more radical in its intent and it's like kind of it's the beginnings of its impact than anything any leninist has ever done and it's basically because he actually did want real freedom and autonomy for working people and your average leninist just doesn't you know like yeah. again like to go back to the example from earlier right that like when when under pressure they will They'll do capitalism before they'll do anything that even resembles um, autonomy for workers. They'll take that path rather than doing the right thing. You know that does speak to the character of the thing, and it's it, it's 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 uh, it's that class interest, basically, of those kind of functionaries, right? Like, and the thing that makes beer different is that he sincerely actually wanted to do it. You know, yeah. and, and the 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 workers' autonomy thing wasn't just a smokescreen for him. You know, yeah, and when. When he starts to come up with these ideas of like thinking like, oh, OK, like an economic planning system is not adequate. We need to go beyond that to thinking about the constitution of the social body. He he quickly finds that he's being marginalized within those circles of planners mm -hmm. in the yeah. Chilean government because this is not something that they are enthusiastic about. They're actually quite concerned about this idea. Even if Allende would be, you know, all for it, right? Because he he was he was very sincere about his interest in in, in autonomy. 
um, there were still many people around beer who did not particularly like the idea. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think if we look at it, you know, in terms of a why hasn't it happened since then in, uh, in all of these intervening decades, I think you also have to look at um, the international system and the way that countries figure into it, because we have all of these um, neoliberal structures of management and organization that were created in the 80s and 90s and early aughts uh, that a socialist government has to contend with if they are to embark on a program like this, which isn't to say it's impossible, but what it does mean is that there are all these sort of um, highly complex regulatory and organizational structures that have roots deep in our societies right now. And it is the path of least resistance to not attempt to engage in a, in, in a, 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 an effort to kind of, you know, let the, the market atrophy as you develop an alternative structure for social organization. Um, mm -hmm. Because all of these structures are there and you have to kind of like root them out and replace them with something new as opposed to having all these ready-mades of what's already there, uh, the market-centered uh, solutions, the, the, the um, kind of autocratic solutions, um, you know, all of the management systems that have been developed with an autocracy in mind instead of something that is truly democratic and uh, kind of self-gestating. Mm-hmm. And I think as well, um, there's there's a kind of other thing that like, um, like the 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 left has been kind of in a very weak position for quite a while now, like since the since the seventies, right? And like, um, yes, uh, like we're we're just we're just starting to come around to maybe being on possibly an upswing, but also like I think there was this kind of long depressive phase at the end of the or at the crossing of the centuries, right, where uh, a lot of the like leftists kind of, and this 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 actually gets into like why some of the reasons why we started a general intellect unit that like we felt like we needed to bring this kind of like systems thinking and like technical seriousness back to the table after mm -hmm. the kind of weird depressive phases where like you know like say the ultra globalization stuff or the occupy stuff where people kind of take an almost explicitly anti strategic kind of turn and like a kind of anti technical turn you know there's that kind of depressive hangover of like, oh my God, like capital and its, its, its technology is, is hegemonic. Like how the fuck are we ever going to get out of this? Like it, it would have been hard to make an argument for a scientific and like technical kind of fusion with, um, with the humanist kind of impulses of socialism. But that's, I think we're getting to a point where we can start actually having that conversation again. Like we're, we're seeing a bit more of a turn towards that and a kind of turn towards like this kind of serious kind of like more more serious kind of discussion of like hey like okay like okay like we 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 fucking hate the 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 current order of things we want to we want to see it gotten rid of what would we actually replace it with like functionally how would things actually work like i think those kind of conversations are coming back on the table in a way that they, those were just impossible in the 90s like after the berlin wall came down or whatever um they were impossible a couple of years ago you know yeah the 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 market as the fundament of society 
basically seemed to be invincible at that mm-hmm. time. Um, and there was a lot of just sort of wrongheaded assumptions about what was and wasn't true about it and about society as a whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've had a lot of chaos in the years since then that was, um, that affected not just the countries that were, 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 you know, being restructured by the IMF, but actually came and affected the, the, the core of the world economy as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that, that sort of like, you know, in the same way that World War One kind of disproved the idea of the white man's invincibility and superiority, like having those like market chaos dynamics come home to roost in the core of the world system uh, has has undermined that invincibility, that 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 idea that, oh, the market is just naturally the best and there's nothing that could possibly be better at the same time that we have all of this technological development that's happening um, you know, in our economy, uh, that could be used for something different as opposed to, yeah. just, you know, I don't know, making NFTs or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. That, that's all super important. I think that that kind of refines, like I've, I'm, my, my previous thought is refining in my head now like that, like right now, um, the, 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 that kind of market chaos and especially even like the, the chaos of like the, the system's response to COVID and stuff really puts, um, like in general and for the left in particular, it puts like the question of governance back on the table in a way that it had kind of been off the table for a while. Like I think there was yeah. a there was a period on the left where like left activity was kind of like railing against governance. Like it was like we we want freedom from governance and that sort of thing, right? And I'm I'm not gonna say those are necessarily bad impulses, right? But I think they're also kind of a bit wrong-headed as well, right? But like the kind of reality is that like uh, for for human life to flourish and for our lives to flourish, we need governance and like because like governance actually like as a word has the same root as cybernetics does. So kybernetes, the Greek word, becomes Kubernetes, becomes cybernetics, right? But that's also the root of governor. So kuberner, kubernator, those are the roots of governance. So governance and cybernetics are one and the same kind of concept. Um, and this question of like if we intend to create a world of self governance. Um, that is effective, it's viable, in Beer's terminology, like viable self-governance, that what we're proposing is opposed to the chaotic vortex of nonsense that we have to put up with right now. And that's back on the table in a big way. That like, because I think especially with, with COVID people look at like just the sheer idiocy and ineptitude and chaos of our governments and realizing like, oh, those are decrepit, completely screwed up systems. Yep. And in part because their goal is the maintenance of capital accumulation. So this gets us back to the goal-directed behavior of cybernetics, right? Like the steersman steers the boat towards a goal, right? And it's it's always about, or like a, you know, a cybernetic device like a thermostat has a goal temperature that it's trying to like regulate the, the temperature of the water towards. Um, you know, we have these governance systems that are completely awful. They're just like not suitable for like the regulation of human life for flourishing, they're only suitable for the regulation of this insane system that just keeps capital accumulation going. Like, that's the control variable that it regulates. And we're now in a position where on the left, like, more and more of us are, are saying, like, what we're proposing is not, like, a sort of magical escape from governance. We're proposing really, you know, we should have sane governance. 
And it turns out that sane governance is bottom-up self-organized governance. Um, and that's that's both a moral position and a technical position. Yeah. And I think they're, they're, both of those, the moral and technical valences, uh, feed off each other. Like, we're... We're we're able to be the serious people in the room. This this is a very big change of pace, right, for us, because like for a while we were railing against like the very serious people of like the centrists and like the fucking Blairites and the, the Clintonites sort of people. We're the serious people now. Saying what what this what this system actually does is absurd and ludicrous, and it needs to be dismantled and rebuilt with a totally different like feedback circuit, a different kind of goal orientation. Um and it needs to be oriented towards human flourishing. And like that's turns out there's a science of doing that, and it's called cybernetics, you know? Well, and so we also have a runaway ecological crisis. That yeah. The more we learn about oh, yes. it, the Speaking more we, feedback we, loops. See, yeah. we see <laughs> yep. that, you know, like, the capitalist market system is absolutely leading us all to death, and mm-hmm. the earth to death, and... So it is human flourishing, but we also are concerned with the flourishing of life in in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I think that, that that is something that wasn't as much on the horizon in the seventies. You know, certainly think you know people were thinking about it, but breaking down this barrier between economics uh, and uh, and ecology. I think is a, a very cybernetic impulse. And I think one mm-hmm. that, you know, we need to keep working at because like, you know, whenever we think about these things as separate domains, we're already, uh, <laughs> we're already uh, engendering more destruction of the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think cybernetics can also help us in that kind of like, um, on a kind of for, for left projects, like on an aggressive footing, of like, if we recognize that like the capital and its kind of governance system is it is cybernetic and like it, it has its own feedback circuits and like say the 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 explosive feedback circuit that we're on with with ecology right like how do you intervene in a system to halt and disrupt those circuits so as to, to, to so as to disintegrate the system is um is something like you can you can learn a lot from cybernetics to to get lessons on how to how to intervene there. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five, high five. Casino. casino. Win at High Five Casino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality? High quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? All of those are givens, but only the new Roku Pro Series has all of those and the Roku Streaming Experience, an award-winning OS. Get fast, easy access to all your apps like iHeart, where you can stream all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all day, and regular all-inclusive trips to Roku City. The new Roku Pro Series, a smart TV built by the streaming pros. 
Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM's Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick an area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM sports account to get started. Then visit your promotions section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. There's nothing more exciting than going yard with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In partnership with MGM Northfield Park. The last thing I want to talk about is just what is the society that is non-capitalist and based off of sort of cybernetic governance principles, what does that look like for just a person? Because I think, you know, this, this has been one of the big sort of like political challenges of the last, you know, 50 years. It's just the complete foreclosure of the ability to even just sort of imagine a system that's not this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, it means... Um In the first instance, it means a different orientation to your workplace and your community, right? Because when you grow up in a society where um, power is exercised autocratically, it has an infantilizing effect on on you as an individual. Yeah. Um, And... Uh, you know, maybe your relationship to work is your workplace is one of sort of emotional detachment or of tantrum throwing, right? Because these are, these are reactions. These are natural reactions to being in an abusive environment. Um, But if you are in a system where the, work of management is not only open to you, but expected of you, you have a different orientation to that workplace, to the community you're in, because it's your responsibility. If you don't do it, you know, uh, you're going to lose your autonomy. And also you're going to have real problems that you have to grapple with as an individual. So there is a responsibility that comes there but also, like, that means an opening up of horizons in terms of, well, things don't always have to be the same. Things don't always have to be handed down to you for management on high. They can actually change. Like, you can see the possibilities in front of you. You can plan for the future in your context, and you can have that meaningful freedom in your life and be, you know, a, a full human being in that sense. Right. Um, And so I think that that's a a very core everyday change that you could see Um, in terms of, you know, sort of your horizons of where you might work or what you might do. You know, you could expect that there would be more 
possibilities for each person to be like, quote unquote, entrepreneurial, right, to to have initiative in their life and be able to envision and create things around them that, uh, you know, they they can't do right now because they either are stuck in a job that doesn't give them that freedom or it they are actually uh, not even able to have a job right now where they can have a reasonable expectation of survival um, because their workplace is 100% oriented around just making sure the work gets done and, you know, the consequences be damned. Um, so I think that, you know, that is another area that's important. Um, and that sort of freedom of management um, extends all the way up to uh you know working in different kinds of capacities or jobs like some people in kind of a middle middle ranking area in a corporation these days might get shuffled around from department to department to try to kind of get a, a well-rounded understanding of what the corporation is uh and how it functions but you know we can kind of expect that these roles would be more open to everybody because again, you know, a system in the VSM is not a person. A system is a function and that function should be fulfilled in a way that is as flexible as possible. Um, so there's a lot less kind of, well, I'm stuck in accounting and that's my life now. And that's all there that I'll ever be. Of course, there are limits to education. There are limits to specialization, all of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it, it takes time to learn these things, but you could expect some more flexibility there without having that terror of, oh, yeah, you know, in the neoliberal era, everybody's expected to have like 15 jobs in the course of their quote unquote career. But also each of those jobs is going to be interspersed with a period of absolute terror as they live with unemployed in a society without a safety net. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I, I think that that's that's you know, those are real consequences for everybody's uh, life, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think like at a very, very high level, the way Beer puts it is that we are trapped in this kind of crazy system that like its control variable is profit. Like that's the little variable that it's it's like doing feedback on to, to maintain. Um, whereas what we're proposing is like the, the, the sort of cybernetic future will be a society that's optimizing flourishing. Like what, what Beard, Beard, the word he uses is eudaimony, which he's borrowing from Aristotle, just to like flourishing. Um, and I, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff flows out from that. Like to imagine a world where, like, cause we, we all feel it, right. That like everything around us is kind of like micro tuned as a, like a little feedback loop to keep money and profit flowing um, and to keep capital accumulating. Just imagine a world where that's just not true anymore. And the, the, the sort of social infrastructure that you grow up in is an infrastructure that instead optimizes for the flourishing of life. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, when we, we, we look at sort of the broader patterns of society today, we see all of these harebrained schemes that, uh, you know, uh, very rich men are embarking mm -hmm. on and they're, yeah. they're setting the agenda for society, you know, where, 
that, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is telling us that the metaverse is the future and you just have to get on board with this, even though anyone can see that this idea is patently ridiculous. Um, And in a society where that kind of management, that kind of money power doesn't exist anymore, like you don't have to live under that kind of future horizon anymore Mm -hmm. where it's like eight men with absurd amounts of money cook up, you know, ridiculous schemes and everybody has to follow them just like they were following the orders of Pharaoh back in the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think do not be ruled by Pharaohs is as good a place as any to (laughs) leave off unless you two have anything else you want to get to. Uh, Okay. I, there's there's one little line from uh, Beer's book. Uh, well, it's actually a set of presentations called Designing Freedom that I absolutely love. It cracks me up every time I read it. So I'm just going to read it out for the listeners. It gives you a sense of his absolute, like, ridiculous radicalism. Like, he's off the fucking charts with this stuff. Um, at some point he says, and I'm quoting here, Every time we hear that a proposal will destroy society as we know it, we should have the courage to say, thank God, at last. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, like a, a real maniac. Yeah. And he had this, this dictum of, if it works, it's out of date. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's like, like, yeah, don't be complacent. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. don't I, be I, a traditionalist. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think also that there's been there's been really horrific consequences of sort of the right being the ones to like take the urge for creative destruction, or just like you know what was that line? There's some what I forget some some venture capitalist thing is like move fast and break things, and it's like yeah, yeah. Well, so when they move fast, the things they break is us. But yes, mm-hmm. you know we can move faster and break things that are bad. Yeah. yeah it definitely and gets it, to a creative and playful kind of, um, mode of being right. That like you, you might be able to work, wake up in the morning and, and think, God, you know, it'd be really cool if we could have like, um, like a childcare nursery, just like, like out in the, out in the common area between these buildings and stuff. And like, go to your, go to your like local, like your, your workers council or whatever, and have a really plausible, like, way of actually getting that and like collaborating with people to make that happen and then being like okay we'll we'll trial it as an experiment for 12 months we'll keep we'll see how it goes and then there's a feedback cycle where it's like okay some aspect of this design didn't really work out we'll we'll go talk about it some more and then iterate on that and that's that's uh like as it's it's an entrepreneurialism that doesn't bear much resemblance to what that word means right now it just means that human beings living real things real workers will be able to actually control their environments and this the substance of their lives in in a meaningful way yeah and like this i think you know back in the 90s the early aughts sort of before the the 2008 crisis and in the the hoary days of yore um (laughs) it, it it's there was a lot of talk about flexibility and dynamicism and uh adaptation but what that always meant was we make decisions about what's going to change and you have to adapt, right? It was, it was, it was, you know, always this arbitrary power from outside that would just be changing the social fabric and you had to be flexible enough to cope with what you were being subjected to. It's very different if, you know, the planning is being done by you for you and you're 
moving towards adaptation and flexibility out of a sense of, oh yeah, this would be better and I'm going to adapt to be in a better state, to uh, uh, to work with my environment uh, in a more healthy and a, and a more flourishing way as opposed to just like, oh yeah, you've got to work three jobs now, so figure it out, right? That's a very different kind of flexibility, a very different kind of adaptation. And you know those things have sort of become dirty words in some ways, but they are really core to the way that we all exist as organisms in the world. And they don't have to be just synonyms for abuse. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think, okay, we can take this as a place to leave off. Yeah, do, do you two have stuff you want to log? I, I know you have stuff you want to plug, but uh, plug the things <laughs> that you want people to listen to because they are yeah. good. Um, yeah, uh, we're General Intellect Unit. Um, you go to generalintellectunit.net and it's got all the episodes on there. Uh, we're on Twitter at GIUnitPod. Um, yeah, you can find us on all the podcast things. Um, we're also part of a uh, podcast network called Emancipation. Uh, so that's emancipation.network on the web. Um and yeah, some really excellent shows on there. We we're uh, collaborating with uh, Swampside Chats and um, Mortal Science uh, from Alpha to Omega, Jumpsuit Utopia. They're they're really wonderful shows that are all. Um, it, it it's a variety of different sort of uh, takes on things, but like um, there's a sort of common there's a sort of spiritual common ground that we all have. Um, yeah, we we we're all interested in thinking systematically we're all interested Mm -hmm. in emancipation as the network name says and Mm -hmm. we're all interested in sort of building something going forward trying to construct an alternative uh as opposed to simply uh getting caught up in day-to-day politics or getting caught up in uh doomer mentality yeah uh so yeah it's it's systematic it's critical but it's also constructive and i think that's what we're all trying to do there yeah yeah well thank you two both for coming on thank yeah, you it's been wonderful thanks yeah thanks for having us yeah and this this has been naked happen here you can find us at happen here pod in the places there's also stuff at cools on media that you can also find in those same places and possibly also different ones oh yeah we have a we have a website uh, everyone asks me for my sources every single week and they get posted there once a month. So yeah, go go to coolzonemedia.com uh, and you will find all of the sources so you don't have to DM me every week. <laughs> all right, bye. Hey. <laughs> <laughs>《Happen Here》is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. The following is a high-five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won! Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing High Five Casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your High Five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. 
collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass. If all that sounds too good to be true, it'll sound even better on the new Roku Pro Series. Your hearing isn't better. Your TV is. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 